verse 1 to 36. So if you like there, you can turn there now. Well, let's come before the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Father. Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you for the worship, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that it was a sweet, sweet smelling aroma to your ears, Lord God. And Father God, we give you this time, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say, Lord God. Teach us, direct us, Lord God, as we go through your word, Lord God. Father God, once again, we love you, Lord God. Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, Father God, our prayer is that they would know you, Lord, that they would rest in the hope, Lord God, that we have as believers, Lord. Father God, that you died for the world, Lord. And this is the message we're going to hear tonight, Lord God, being born again through your spirit, Lord. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We go before us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Let us love one another as you loved us, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 3 is entitled, The the New Birth. John, in writing the book, this gospel, clearly states why these scriptures were written. And uh, chapter, verse, chapter 20, verse 31, he writes, But... These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In the believing, you may have life in His name. This is why John's heart, the love of God, has been poured out into the gospel here in John. And it's been poured out in our hearts as well as believers. And here, he also says that the word believe is used more than 100 times in John's gospel. Eternal life occurs 35 times. The word regeneration occurs only twice in the New Testament. You could find it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, and Titus 3, 5. But but concept or ideal is common throughout the Bible. The concept or ideal is common throughout the, the, the Bible. The literal meaning of the word is being born again. That word again, which we will come across, basically means from above. From above. Being born from above. Okay? So let's start in verse 1 here in chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And I've noticed here in verse 1, it says, there was a man. That's the the title that he gave him, a man. And here in in verse 2 again, he says, this man. And I pondered on this, a man. He didn't name him, but he, he said, this man. There was a man. Because I believe because he was a natural man. He was just a man, a human being, like everyone else coming into this world in the flesh. As we continue, we'll see. We'll read about that and get more details with the flesh. But it says here, Nicodemus. The man Nicodemus, we know, he was one of those impressed by the signs that Jesus did. We can see that in John uh, chapter 2, verse 23. He was impressed there. He says, I'll read that to you. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did. Many believed because of the signs. It's the same thing here going on today as it was back then. Nothing's changed. Nicodemus was a member of the Sahedrins, and you can find that in John chapter 7, verse 50 and 52. The Sahedrins, they were, they called, they were called the... The um, uh, what's that word? The uh, set apart ones, or yeah, the Pharisees. There you go, Pharisees. They were called the uh, set apart ones. And then 
the final time that Nicodemus shows up again is at the burial of Jesus in chapter 1939, along with uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who retrieves the body of Jesus from Pilate. And these two were very wealthy. And you can see that, that, and compared to when Mary, when she had the oil and she was anointing Jesus, and, and Judas of Arisket said, hey, that could have been sold because of greediness. We know that. And it said that that oil, that fragrance was alone was worth 300 denarii. 300 denarii was a week's pay. And so Nicodemus here, and he had a hundred, a hundred pounds of that. So you can imagine. See, you can imagine. So, and it was, it had, a rich man had to have that money in order to have all that fragrances. And so the fairies were concerned about strictly interpreting and keeping the law on all matters. Their, their aim was to preserve their national integrity and the Mosaic law. They later developed in self-righteousness and hypocritical opinions. You know, that's the religious man. And we can all be religious. Even as believers, we can be religious just coming through and doing the routine, same old routine that we do all the time coming to church, maybe just on Sundays, just coming and sitting, hearing the Word of God, and then going right home. You know, but I see that's not the case here because you guys are here, so that time you're eager. You're eager to learn the Word of God. You want to be filled with His Spirit. You want to know. You want to grow and mature. See? And that's why you're here. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're here because you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why you're here today. And like I said in the beginning, my prayer that you would you would come, you would receive Jesus. Or if you backslidden, you're in a backslidden state, that you repent from your sins and get right with the Lord. And this is why we're here. This is what we preach is the gospel, the good news. And this is what John is sharing. And he wants to make it known to us who Jesus is, his deity, his love for all humanity. And uh, in Matthew, we see in Matthew chapter 23, and uh, Jesus called them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said it to them eight times in that chapter. Seven times of it, of those, he said, scribes. And then the, the one time he mentioned, he called them, Woe to you, blind guides. Because they were leading people, the blind leading the blind, and people following them. The scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. See, because they're giving, they're not studying the word of God, they're not reading the word of God. We need to spend that personal time at the Lord's feet, reading and studying his word. You see? And then, <clears throat> let's continue here. This man, it says, I'll read verse 2 again. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Okay? And so, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus comes straight and he hits him right to the heart. Because God is all-knowing, right? He's the discerner of a heart, so we can see that here. You know, and this is why in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You see? The scriptures tells us in Jeremiah 9, 79, that a heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. You see? And Jesus knowing the discerning of the hearts, you know, and then knowing that that they're there because they're believing in the signs that he did. Not because who he is. Because of the signs that he did. You see. Just like in. Uh, this man had seen the signs. And I think this man was. Pondering on them. He was there. Seeing them. And he was at home at night. It doesn't say what time. It doesn't give us a time. But it says night. So you can imagine, you imagine yourself sitting there at times and 
laying there in your bed and thinking and pondering on the Word of God. You see? Or prior to you coming to Jesus Christ where you are now, God initiates. He sets that seed there. He reveals Himself to you. You see? And it's up to you to make a decision to whether to receive it, that thought that He plants in your heart. You see? And here's Nicodemus at night. He comes to Jesus at night because I believe that that God initiated him to give him to think about the signs that he's seen. And as he says here, no one could do these signs unless God is with them. Right? But in these, in the Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, tells us there that there's going to be a person who's going to come and do these signs and wonders and lying and everything else, you see. But Lord willing, we won't be here because we'd be caught up. Amen? Amen. But those who are going to be left behind who are living their life like Jesus is coming today, you see, they're going to be left behind. This is why, this is why Jesus tells us, he said, be ready. For you don't know when your flight's going to come. You know, we just had a funeral this past Saturday. You know, I'm sure he, he probably had plans and family plans. You see, but God had a better plan for him. He has a better plan for us. And when he takes us home, it happens like that. That fast. And that's where you want to be ready in and out of season. You see, you want to be born again as he's talking here. He said, you must, surely, he says that three times. Three times he says this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Straight to the point, no other way. You must be born again. And here Nicodemus, at night, is moved to come to Jesus. And here he is, not coming by himself, but I believe he's representing every human being coming to Jesus. And ask, what must I do in the kingdom of God? Because we have all these questions. Especially a lot of people out there that don't have the answers. And I run into them all the time. It might sound silly reading the text here. You see? But there is people out there. When you're on one and one you're talking to people. People don't know what born again is. They have no clue. They're just like Nicodemus here. What must I do into my mother's womb again? We know that that's not the case. But there are some people who don't know and they'll come out with answers like that or questions. And here we are. We have to give them the, the, the answers. We've got to give them the truth. You see? With meekness. Meekness meaning Power under control. The power of the Spirit that dwells in me. Jesus, they need to see. And that's what Jesus is here with him. He didn't slap him across. Oh, you should, no, but he should have known these things. Just like you, just like me. You see? How long have you been a Christian? You should know a lot of things by now. You shouldn't be sucking on the bottle, drinking milk, but you should be eating meat. If you're coming here, you're eating meat. And you're going to get fed the Word of God. I remember coming and leaving where I first came. I don't know where I was going, but I prayed. And I, the Holy Spirit guided us. And we ended up here. Because God knows our spirit was craving the meat. We're craving the Word of God. You see? And so here he comes representing every human being coming into this world. It was the signs that they believed. Jesus knew was in, the, in many in the man. And John 1, 3, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. The scriptures tells us that. And John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He is God and all knowing. And we know these because we have the scriptures here. You see? And it's plain and simple there. We read again. I'll read again. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He is God. 
And no question about it. And you still get people who say, Jesus isn't God. What book are you reading? It's all over. You see? Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things. I read that. I'm going to read it again. And deceitful, wicked, who can know it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give everyone according to the fruit of his doing, whether you're doing good or you're doing bad. Whether you know him or you don't know him. Many people believe in God. Some by by their good deeds. Or in this case, keeping the law and and seeing the signs. Believing in signs is not what saves you. Nicodemus had no spiritual life. Once again, many, many believe in God. Even demons believe in God. But yet tremble, James tells us that, 2.19. You see? But there's action behind believing. Faith is an action word. Seeing the signs he was doing, this is not what saved you. In John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Many people say they're children of God, but they're not living their lives to it. They're not willing to give up the the sin in their lives. But yet they still call themselves children of God. It's a shame. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. Scriptures tells us that. He was speaking to the religious people at that time. The Pharisees. He was speaking to the Pharisees at that time. Because they think by all the things that they were doing. But they were wolves. They were worse than wolves. Therefore, they are not God's children, but children of wrath. As we were once, it is by faith. So, Romans ten seventeen tells us, So then faith, so then faith, so then hearing the word of God, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Jesus in, cha- in, this, in this chapter says, most assuredly, he says that three times once again, a person must be born again, not the physical birth, but the spiritual birth, born from above. The physical birth is when you come out your mother's womb. You see? The spiritual birth, being born again. Being born from above, it's the only way. It was taught widely among the Jews at that time, that since they uh, descended from Abraham, they were automatically assured of heaven. And many of them believed that that was the case. And you have the same thing today in religious, in religions. They believe, like I come out of uh, Catholicism, a lot of us have. Being baptized in water as a baby, as an infant, that's all you need to do. That's a lie. Straight from the devil. And, and people, it's sad to see that knowing the word of God and, and knowing what their faith and what they're believing and what they're putting their faith into is a lie. And they're going to perish if they continue believing that lie. It's a sad thing because we have many family members that think that way, that are living that way. And they don't want to come to the truth. Because they love sin. They don't want to give up the things of this world. So now you have everyone going to heaven. No one goes to hell. When they die. You could live like you could live your life like a rat and do whatever thing you get. Oh, he's in a better place now. He's in heaven. He's resting. We'll see him one day. You know, it's another lie. But the Bible tells us here, clearly Jesus is telling us and warning us. 
You must be born again. It's the only way. This is serious. He doesn't, Nicodemus doesn't understand, just like many people today. They don't have a clue what born again is. We see it all the time out there on Friday nights. and This is why we go out. Out there, not, you know, or wherever the Lord takes us. But we all take the gospel with us. As soon as you walk out your door, you're taking the gospel with you. And there's many people out there that are perishing. And a lot of times the Lord brings them to you. Boom. Maybe you might minister to them. Maybe not. But there's always opportunity. When someone comes your way, it's because you have to renew your mind now. You're the spiritual man now. If you start thinking spiritually, and then you'll see, and you'll, you'll, you'll know why that person came to you. Because it was God who brought him to you. No other reason why. It's not by coincidence. They call them divine appointments. You see? Because God loves them. And God knows that you know His Word. And He's going to test you. Are you going to share your faith? Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How old can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That question there is no, right? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, again, once again, he tells, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus explains the new birth. Being born again, a conversion by the Spirit of God. We must be born of water in the Spirit. Okay? Water in the Spirit. And then, in verse 10, if you look down there, verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? What are you teaching the people? Ain't it something? What a lot of churches today, what are they teaching the people? I talk to some people and they don't, they've been going to church for a while. You know, and and I start sharing with them. They're like, whoa. You see, they're like, whoa. I'm, I'm getting fed. I'm getting taught the Word of God. You have the same Spirit as I have. You're not getting fed. That's the problem. Then they start examining and they say, you know what? I need to get fed. Yeah, you do, buddy. Get with it. It's not that I'm so bright or anything like that. But we all have one thing in common. Well, two things. Sin, and we have the Spirit of God living in us. When someone comes up to me and starts talking to me, i got to listen. Whether he wants to rebuke me, or he has something positive to say, I have to listen to that individual. Because he's God's child. He has the same Spirit as I have. And I got to listen to see what he, what he, the Lord has for me, and I got to ask for His wisdom, because we all have the Spirit of God, and God shows no partiality with nobody. Neither should I. Or all His children, to those who have been born again, to those who have the Spirit in them. And he tells them this once again. You, you're a teacher. You don't know these things. You should know these things. Nicodemus. Ezekiel 36.25 verse 28-28. He tells us here. I get mixed up. With these papers here. I'm going the wrong way sometimes. Okay. Five. Okay. Verse 25. He said... Then I shall sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Verse 26, this is Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. You see, the Old Testament was, Jesus, the Lord was always talking about things that were going to come. You see? Things that were going to come. And Psalms 51, David. And if you want to turn there, Psalms 51, David. And we'll start here in verse um, 4. Well, actually, uh, verse 2. He says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. And then here it is. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. And this is what John is going to get to when he talks about the flesh. When he talks right here in, uh, in, in John chapter 3. But Nicodemus should have known these things. You see? But it went right through him. Right over his head. Verse 6. Once again he goes, um, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that's what he's talking about here. He was born into iniquity in his mother's womb. You see? That's what, that's what David was talking here. Then in verse 6 of that same chapter, 51, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, meaning his heart and his mind. And the, the hidden part, you will make me no wisdom. You see? And he, verse 7 he says, Purge me with hossip, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You see? David knew this. This is what David's repentance. He cried out to the Lord. Because of his sin with Bathsheba. In verse 10 of that same chapter, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. This is what salvation brings joy. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then he goes on to say, verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted. That's, that's what the Word of God does. That's what being born again does. You become born again. It's like the woman that Samaria the wall. She couldn't help but go and express and tell everybody about this man, about Jesus, what he did for his life. How he changed him. How he met her where he was. Knew everything about her. Just like he knows everything about me. He knows how many, ha- how many hairs on my head. Even if they're not there. You know what I'm saying? But he knows everything. You see? He goes on to say that same verse in John, Gospel of John, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Everything that is, is, is spirit-led, is everything that a spirit-led man or woman does can be pleasing to God. In John 6, 33, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are, the, are Spirit, and they are life. They are life. God knows. God is loving. He's kind. He's gentle. Long-suffering. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And that's what people do. It's so sad to see. They make a little face or, you know. It's sad to see. Nicodemus, like, like most Jews in that time, actually believed they already had this transformation. Jesus is clear, clearly letting him know he doesn't have it and he needs to be born again. Remember, here is a religious leader, a Pharisee. In his mind, he was already transformed into God. Matthew 5.20 tells us, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
speaking to us believers. As Christians, he's telling us, as Christians, we must obey the word of God more than the scribes and the Pharisees. Not by works. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, Not by works, lest anyone should boast. And the Lord threw that in there because He knows the hearts of man. Because we're so prideful. And we'll begin to boast. But God gets all the glory. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, to obey is better than sacrifice to heed that the fat of rams as God. As God children, we are as God's children, are we listening to the voice of the Lord? Are we be obedient to what He has for us? I tell you this, the Lord is speaking clear. The Spirit of God is moving. He's speaking clear through pastors and through the guests that have been coming here. I don't know if you, it's just me that's been noticing this, but God is speaking clearly. We need to be take the wax out of our ears and really tune in to what He has to tell us. Because he's clearly speaking in these last days. They're the watchmen. They're warning us of the coming of the Lord. And as children of God, how are we to be living our lives? God called us, he set us apart. Set us apart from the world. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. And here, uh, the wind bloweth where it wills. I have a commentary here. Most commentators have held that this means, as the wind moves mysteriously, so does the Spirit. And it, listen, listen closely. And it breathes upon him on Upon whom it will, affecting the inward in, the inward change called the birth of the spirit, arbitrarily. This view, I believe, due to a wrong translation, uh, sanctioned not by Greek but by current theology. Let it be noted that one exactly the same Greek term, pneuma, is rendered wind in spirit. So what he's saying here is that. The wind and the spirit, they're the same word, pneuma. Okay, that's what, that's what most commentators are saying here. Okay, listen. In this verse, it is a violation of all law that the same word should experience so radical a change of meaning in the same sentence. The word pneuma is not translated wind elsewhere. Although it occur, occurs scores of times in the New Testament, but always rendered spirit, pneuma. That's what he's saying here, the Greek word. It's always rendered spirit, not wind. Wind has its own name. Another word in the Greek, animos, is usually used to rep represent wind. The airness, it's, the air, it's an air. Idea creates a confusion in figures and makes Christ to say the wind blows where it wills. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Right? But it goes here say, not the Spirit, everyone born of the Spirit. It affirms, it affirms of Him who is born just what is affirmed of the wind. A thing the Savior never did. These facts are sufficient to show that the rendering wind is wrong. All we have to do is to translate pneuma here as is done in the latter part of the verse and elsewhere in the New Testament. The verse then reads, The Spirit, pneuma, breathes where it pleases. 
and thou hearest the voice thereof, but cannot, can, but cannot tell where it comes, nor whither it goes. So by hearing this voice is everyone born of the Spirit, Numa. The meaning is the Spirit breathes where it wills, and you recognize this manifestation by its voice. By its voice. By the word spoken by men of God as the Holy Spirit gives them utterance. You cannot tell whence the Spirit comes to whether it goes, but you can hear its voice when it does come. So by hearing the voice of the Spirit, everyone, everyone born of the Spirit, he receives by faith the communication of the Spirit is born of the Spirit. The birth of the Spirit is not the same thing as the gift of the Spirit. There's two differences here. Okay, The gift of the Spirit and being born again by the Spirit. Two differences. Who are born of the Spirit is given because you are sons, uh, because ye are sons, God hath sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, in Galatians 4, 6. Hence, in harmony with the above view, Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which liveth and bideth forever. 1 Peter 1, 23. And so you see here, and you'll see commentators will get these two words, and they'll say that they're both the same meaning, but it, it's not. Okay? Wind has its own name, and the Spirit has its own name. You have Numa, and you have Anios there. Okay? Two different things. And you got, that's why you can't believe everything commentators tell you, because they'll mislead you sometimes. And so, here, the wind, verse 8, once again, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound. See that? Hear. It doesn't tell you, you see the sound, but you hear the sound, right? That's what it's saying here, because you could hear it. And that's how the Spirit is, when he, you hear the voice. He's guiding him, directing you. you. Maybe you're hearing it now. He's tugging in your heart, you see? And he knows, and he's speaking to you, because the Spirit of God, he'll, he'll speak to you, if you're listening. And so we've got to tune our ears and listen to what the Spirit is saying. Because Jesus is speaking. You see? He's going to take care of you. See, later at the day of Pentecost, then the Holy Spirit came and He fell on them. Because we know that what? The Holy Spirit came for service. He empowered them. For service. For the church. And that's what He does. He empowers us. He brings back all things to remembrance. Everything that you hear. Everything that you've been taught. He brings it back and when He's ready. For the word to go out to be used. That's his job. He empowers us. He equips us. But here, the Spirit is for the new birth. If you never receive Jesus into your heart, don't delay. Verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Wow. You see, because all these times, maybe from childhood, he was taught a different way. So it stays with him. It stays with him. He can't believe what he's hearing. He can't understand. He can't understand these things. It's new to him. Nicodemus is confused to the promise of the new birth. It was laid out in the, the Old Testament. He knew these passages, or he should have known them. Verse 11. Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Jesus was including the Father and the Holy Spirit and within Himself, the three of them. We, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. That's what he's saying. Verse 12. If I have told you early things you, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Nicodemus didn't understand this either. What Jesus meant to this day. Jesus is referring to everyone who does not understand. The new birth happens here on earth. So they wouldn't understand the things that happen in heaven. They ain't going to understand the things that happen in heaven if they don't understand the things that are happening right now. You see? 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us here that the natural man, but the natural man does not, under, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They, they can't distinguish truth from error. 
They don't understand. Because they are spiritually discerned. You see? You can't just pick up a, the, the Bible and start reading it and think you're going to poop. No. Like Jesus told me, you must be born again. You must have the Spirit of God living in you. You see? Then the light goes on. Then you'll be able to understand what you're reading. Because sin separates you from God. Confessing your sins brings us back to fellowship with God. But there's a first time repentance. And we're going to get to that right now. In verse 13. It says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who come down from heaven, that is the Son of Man. He was in heaven from the beginning. He came down to live with us, to live with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Philippians um, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let's read there real quick. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of the death, even the depth of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see? And the Jewish people, because God made himself, I mean, Jesus made himself equal with God. And so that made them even more angry. You see? After his death and resurrection, he returned to heaven. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. Waiting to make his enemies his footstool. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ and you receive him into your life, you're an enemy of God. Verse 15. That whoever believes in him, no, excuse me, I'm sorry, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And now Nicodemus should know this. It's in Numbers, the book Numbers, chapter 21. You see? And he just, I'll read it again, and I'll explain to you. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see? The Israelites were, were, were wandering in the desert. They complained about God. And then now God sent these fairy snakes to bite them. To kill him. You see? And then the Lord's compassion, he tells Moses, take a pole and put a serpent on top, a brass pole, which signifies judgment. You see? And all they had to do is look up. Look up to that serpent that was there on that pole. That's all they had to do. And many were dying. Many did die. It's the same thing today. Many are perishing because they don't want to look up to the cross. They don't want to look to Jesus. You see? And it's sad. It's very sad. And Nicodemus should have known these things. He was telling them what was going to take place. That he was going to go to the cross. He was going to be crucified. That's what he's saying. He was going to bear the sins of everything. That's what sin does. It bites. It ruins lives. It brings death. But like here, God has provided a way to cure us. Through the cross. Through the shedding of His blood. That's where we find forgiveness. At the cross. You see? And as Christians, we're to pick up our cross every day, aren't we? No matter how you're feeling, no matter the circumstances you go through, no matter what the trials you go through... Look to the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't take them off. Don't put them on a man or anybody else. Don't magnify your problems. They're just going to get bigger. 
When they're that small, give them to God. Before they get big and out of hand. I tell you this because I've got to practice that myself. You see? But I'm learning. I'm learning. And that's what we're doing. We're practicing the truth. If you are living the truth. If not, then you're practicing sin. You need to repent. Because it's going to send you to hell. Yeah, we fall short of God's glory as Christians every day. But we get right back up and we say, Lord, forgive me. But the scriptures clearly say, practicing sin. John 16, every Christian should believe this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. For God so agape the, the world. Selfish love. He gave His Son. I can't see myself doing that for nobody. But yet, God did that. In Genesis, he should have known that too. It was a shadow of things to come. Where Abraham took his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice, he was going to offer up to the Lord. By faith. By faith. For God so loved the world. says, I have this thing here that I... God, it says, God, the almighty authority, so loved the world, the mightiest motive, that He gave His only begotten Son, the greatest gift, that whoever, the greatest invitation, believes in Him, the easiest escape, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but have everlasting life, the priceless possession. The possession that we have as children of God. Eternal life. Grab it. Cling to it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody. There's no one here special. We've got to go through the Son to get to the Father. Verse 17, for God, not send, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. <clears throat> People who reject salvation condemn themselves. That's what they're doing. For God did not send His Son into the world but to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. That's why He came here. He said, might, because each person has a choice to make, either to receive it or to reject it. You see? And I remember reflecting back in my life, these things were foolishness to me. They were foolishness. But now, it's the power, man. This is the only way. Got to stay in it. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. What keeps people from belief in Jesus is sin. And unbelief is sin. Therefore, they love their sin, and in what they do is evil. That's what runs through their mind. Evil. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. The men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus has come into the world. And the world continues to, de to deny Him and reject Him. 
because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil, see that? Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. There's what hinders religious and unbelieving people to come to the Lord. That's what hinders people coming to the Lord. Because their deeds are going to be exposed. The works that they did. The Pharisees, the works that they did was going to expose them. All the things that they were doing. They were putting yokes on people. That's why Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 through 30. Come to me all you who labor in the heavy lady and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lonely in heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to do the work in us and through us if we let him. He said it's going to be easy. Because he's going to do it all. When it comes and it's hard, it's because you're leaning on your own understanding. Because you're, you're, you want to do things your way. Your dependency needs to be on Christ. Not on ourselves. Because in me there is nothing good. My mind thinks evil. I got to hold my thoughts into captivity. Verse uh, 21. But he who does the truth, it says here, Jesus is saying, but he who does the truth comes to the light. There's no shame because he knows that he's walking in truth. So he comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen. That they have been done in God. You see? That they've been done in God. That's what we, our works are doing. Things we do, we do it happily without complaining and murmuring. And God sees that. And everything is done because God did it. I stand back. I don't take no glory. In Ephesians 5.8 tells us, For you were once dark in darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord. Walk as children of light. Born again. Repented from our sins. Once you repent from your sins. You become born again. The scripture tells us. Once you become born again. Then you're your creation. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Therefore if anyone was in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold all things become brand new. Your sins are forgiven. They're washed. They're thrown in the deepest part of the ocean. You see. You're a new creation. So you're to walk in newness. You're a new man. You put on the new man. You see? We're no longer are we practicing sin, but the truth and the deeds we do. It is God who is working through us, as I said before, in our service to Him. And it is clearly seen by those who are outside the church and the inside, whether they're done in the flesh or the spirit. We're the first ones to know whether it's done in the flesh or it's done in the spirit. Because we have the Spirit living in us. And we know without a doubt, or we should know, every person in here know, whether I'm talking in the flesh or I'm talking in the Spirit. Because the Spirit that dwells in you, you're going to be able to see. You see? We're coming to the these are the final words of John the Baptist here. From uh, we we'll see here that that um, John, the brother John here, he he's bringing up now John the Baptist. He's honoring him and he's bringing him up here again for the last time before he closes this chapter. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with with them and baptized. Well, we know that Jesus didn't baptize. We know that because it tells us that in chapter 4, in the next chapter, it tells us that. that uh, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself, verse 2, did not baptize his disciples. It was the disciples that was baptizing. You see? Jesus remained there with them. What was, why did he remain there with them? Because he was discipling them. That's what he does. That's the same thing we do, should be doing. Discipling one another. We have to send the Spend our time at the feet of Jesus and let Him disciple us. You see, learn, be taught by Him. You see, 
And he said he reigned with them and baptized. But we know that's not, but Jesus didn't do that. Verse 23. Now John was baptizing in Enion near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So that's fairly clear. There was a big, it was big. And so wherever there was water, they would baptize. There was plenty of water. So John was baptizing over here and the disciples were baptizing over there. And they're going to, now they're going to see we're going to get into an argument because John is baptizing over there. And they say, hey, why are they baptizing in, you know, over there? You see? Let's read it here. Verse 23, verse 24. For, uh, it says here, For John had not yet been in thro- thrown in prison. And it threw me off and said, why? Why did John throw that in there? For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Yet, it says. <laughs> it wasn't until John went to prison that Jesus began his ministry. Once John the Baptist was thrown in prison, here comes Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He tells us that in Mark 1, 14 through 15. He tells us that. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. It tells us, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And verse 15 is saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom, kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see? But he waited till John got out the way. And then Jesus started his ministry. Because John knew what his calling was to do. He was to make way for the Lord. And now he's making his way out. Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Then there rose a dispute between some of the John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Purification, he's saying here. And, <clears throat> and they came, verification, there was a dispute about him because you have the Jews. They say some a Jew probably was there and they're ministering to him. You got to be born again. He said, no, no, no. They're arguing about the purification and, and uh, the cleansing of the water. And, and that's what they talked about. They said they got a dispute. You know, that's what they say. That's what their disputing was about. Okay. I wasn't there. I don't know. It doesn't really get into details. And uh, verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptized and all are coming to him. Now here they are, the disciples, pointing their fingers because they see John baptizing, right? And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from above. Everything comes from above. All our blessing comes from above. Everything that we have comes from God. Everything. To the clothes we have. Everything. Everything that we owe. God is given to us. And there's no other way to look at it, folks. No other way. But everything comes from above. Verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He knew his job. He knew what he was to do. Verse 29. He who has a bride is a bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He had joy of the Lord. His he had joy. He was able to go and rest now, see? And here he says, the bride. We know the bride, meaning the church. See? The church. And it goes on to say, he who is the bride is the bridegroom. Right? But the friend of the bridegroom, who is John, who stands and hears him, Rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. He hears his voice and he's happy. And he rejoices. And is filled. Isn't it awesome when you're reading the text? When you're reading the text, reading the scripture, and the Lord speaks to you? Isn't it? You just like, some, I, I remember the first time I was like, the Lord spoke to me. I got on the phone and I called somebody up. I said, hey, hey look right here. It says this. And the, I was so excited. The Lord spoke to me. And that's what he said. The Lord spoke to you, brother. You're growing. You're growing. It's awesome to hear when the boy, Lord God speaks to you. And you hear it loudly. The letters, the words jump out at you. Wow. In verse 30, 
He must increase, but I must decrease. And that's exactly what happened here. He must increase. Same within our lives. We must decrease. And He must increase. And how is that going to happen? By reading the Word of God. Being in fellowship like you hear now. Listening. Having that hunger for the Word of God. It's the only way it's going to transform you. By the reunion of your mind. Romans 12, 2 tells us that. And if you want to grow, you want to grow. Serve. Serve. I tell the men in prison, when you get out, it, immediately, your life changed, you go find yourself a good church and put your hands to a plow. Don't look back. Start serving. You're going to mature. You're going to grow. God is going to use you, whatever it may be. I remember when I started out, I was cleaning toilets. I was cleaning toilets. And I was happy. Whatever God called me to, I'm here. I was just happy that I had this new life. I was changed. I had hope. I wasn't living the same way I was living before. I mean, I couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. I'm still doing the same thing, and I, Lord willing, I'll still be doing the same thing when I die. He must increase, but I must decrease. Verse 31, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly, and is earthly no good. I should have, I just put that in there, okay? It's not in the text, so I'll just do that because we're no good. And speaks of the earth. You hear that? Speaks of the earth. What are you talking about? You can be talking about sports, you can be talking about all this other stuff, you can be talking about that. Uh, the music, the artists, and all, oh no, the details, but what about God? Tell me about God. I want to know about Jesus. Other things are relevant, whatever you call it. I'm saying it wrong, the word. There you go. My English ain't that good. I speak bionics at times. But uh, uh, my brother-in-law used to get a kick out of that. But he knew what I meant. Uh, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly. He speaks on the earth. He who comes from above is above all. And praise God for that. Praise Jesus. 32. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. And this is John. This is, this is are the words of John the Baptist. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received this testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. He gives us an overflowingness sometimes. He comes upon us. And He just speaks. And it's been said that if you can remember what you're sharing, then it wasn't the Spirit, but it was you. And I said, Lord... Let that happen to me all the time. Everything I say, let me not remember it. <laughs> let it be of you who speaks through me. <laughs> you see? But there's times, there'll be always times where it's me speaking. But God knows my heart. He knows your heart. He knows the good that's there. The word is from above, which comes from above. Christ is above all. Verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things unto His hand. He sits at the right hand. That right hand means given all authority to Him. We know that. That He was given all authority and then He gave it to His apostles. Gave it to the disciples. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son, the Son shall not, the Son shall not see, wait a minute, let me read this all over. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Is that clear? Very clear. But the wrath of God abides on him. 
You see? But what does First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 tells us? That God has not appointed us to wrath, but salvation through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. What the last verse was chapter verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. Ezekiel 36, uh, verse 25 and through 28, I believe. Yes, anybody else before we go? Well, let me close in prayer, but let me just say, look in the back of the Calvary Chapel a Statement of Faith. I'll read it to you. Have you checked it out? Have you read it? We need to read it. You need, when you go somewhere visiting somebody, another church, somebody invites you, get their Statement of Faith and read it. It'll tell you a lot about that church. Or sometimes it won't because they'll, they'll, they, they'll put something else there to deceive you. So do not be deceived. But here Calvary Chapel says, We believe the regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the salvation of the lost and sinful man. And in his present ministry by those indwelling the Christian is enabled to live a godly life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And if there's anyone here that, that doesn't know Jesus, you can receive Jesus. The scriptures tell us in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose from the dead, you believe that, the scriptures tell us he'll give you life. He says that through the heart one believes and with the, through the mouth confession is made into salvation. So you need to confess it to the Lord. Confess it, get right with God. Because tomorrow's not appointed for nobody, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody, and we know that. You see, we know that. And if that is you, and then you ask God, forgive me, I believe, and He'll save you. Make a new creation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Father. We thank you for this evening, Lord God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your love that is in us, that dwells inside of your spirit, Lord, that you gave us, Father God. Your Holy Spirit that has empowered us, Lord Father, that brings your word to life, Lord God. Father, help us, Lord, by being them examples, to be that light in a darkened world, Lord, Father God. Not to be ashamed of your gospel, Lord God. Father, but to be bold, Father God, and to proclaim how you change our lives, Lord God. And how you would want to change this world, Lord, if they would let them let you do that, Father. Father, we thank you here. We could be taught the word of God, Lord God. That we can grow and mature and serve you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for our pastors here, Lord. Thank you for the ministry, Lord. May you bless them, Lord. May you continue to pour out your spirit here. And Father God, and continue to teach us. And, and Father, we just love you, Lord. Father, for saving us, Lord. Thank you for your word this evening. May you bless all the, your children here tonight, Lord God. And Father, as your children, Lord God, bless us as your children, Lord. Bless our efforts and the things that we do, Lord God. We love you, Lord. Father, we pray for the mission trip, Lord, and coming up, Lord, that you be with them, Lord, that your word will go forth, Lord. Use Diego and the other speakers, Lord, that you give them traveling mercies to and fro, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, man.